Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Is that summer coming around the corner, Adam? Uh, it doesn't look like it. No, anyway, it doesn't matter. It, doesn't, it can wear them any, any time of the year. We've got some merch for you. It's on sale now. It is amazing. It's a t-shirt is one, a sweater is two, and some boxer shorts, and I believe they've all been selling well since they went on. Don't forget uh, the mug. And the mug. I'm talking about World Cricket Show merchandise, which is available from cafepress.co.uk slash cricket show. Get on it. You went all radio then, didn't you? Yeah, I did. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello and welcome to yet another episode of the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show still just about struggling along, despite all the reasons why you'd think it would have stopped by now. My name is Adam Bayfield and I'm the host of the show, and this week, after a rare England test win away from home, I thought it only fitting to have on one of England's leading cricket pundits, but since none of them were available, and nor was Nick Knight, here instead is Tony Kerr. Just encapsulates a lot of your material from the past five years doesn't it in one intro it's like a greatest hit nicely done yeah <laughs> yeah a, a composite 11 if you like it's been another oh. long week tone i bet it has how's it going this week it's going very well or at least it was go on until i opened the local rag today let's just have a look the what lo- page is it on the local newspaper oh, here it is page five of the guernsey press and star I won't even read it. I'll just just try and describe the face that's looking out <laughs> to, to the reader. It's quite a big, quite a big picture. It's none other than you, is it? It's me. It is you. Uh, Fame at last. I thought that's nice. Uh, see you in there. So you get a bit of recognition that you deserve. Uh, and then I kind of read the story and I thought, hang on, why has he not come to me with the story <laughs> with the exclusive? Well, now we should give a bit of context here, shouldn't we? Which is that. Yeah, so I've been in the local paper today promoting something that we're doing at my work, at the library. Uh, and Tony is upset because he works for the local radio station. Purveyor, got, purveyor of good and honest news. And I got quite an angry message from him this morning saying, Bayfield, why didn't you come to us with that? Oh, I just didn't want to see that. That's very difficult to explain to my colleagues. So like, don't you record a podcast with him every week? For five years. Isn't he a very good friend of yours? But now he's, he's chosen to go to our rival with this. Uh, and not only that, now you tell me that you know a national network BBC television programme is after you for the story. Yeah, it's true. It's gone over our heads They've now. Literally, we didn't go to you. We went over your heads. We went straight to Country File. And they are potentially going to be talking to me. Well, <laughs> That will be brilliant. We obviously record at your workplace at the local radio station. And I walked in here tonight and was basically greeted by pantomime booze uh, with people. But I'd, there's a couple of things to say about this, one of which is that I don't really think that it's a story. So <laughs> I, I walked in and John, who works here, was like, I can't believe you went to the press with an exclusive story. 
But I, I didn't even cross my mind because I didn't think of it as like a news story. It's just basically what it is, is it's Liberation Day coming up. This is uh, Guernsey's kind of national day, isn't it? It's a, uh, the anniversary of Guernsey's liberation from German occupation during the Second World War. Uh, and I've been digging around in the library archives and just found a load of material about fascinating the library service during the occupation. Right up our street. And there's a kind, there's a kind of museum style exhibition yeah, yeah. that is going to open yeah. at the end of the week. So I didn't really think of that as being a news story oh, or no, like an exclusive. Yeah, right. That I'd yeah, be going just, to. You know, you know, one of Guernsey's kind of national, you know, public bodies. Uh, you know, finds new interesting angle on seventy-year-old <laughs> National Day. No, that's. That doesn't that wouldn't be any interest to us, I don't think. But the other thing as well is that I walked in and, and yeah, John, your colleague, was just like, I really feel like you've let the team down there. I really think you've let the team down. But it's like, I don't actually work here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not technically an employee. Right, well, this cannot BBC happen Kenzie. again. Enough. Anyway, well, it sounds like a great story. It really does. Uh, but yeah, I've got uh, I've got Matt Baker on my on my tail. You know, that, that, desperate for a story. That'd be that, well. Let's turn this to our advantage. That could be quite a big coup if we can get you on Country File, a prime time Sunday night farming program with a World Cricket Show T-shirt on. <laughs> that would be that could send the t- the T-shirt sales into double figures. What would be great is if you know when people are being interviewed on TV programs, it kind of cuts back and forth between them and the presenter. If I was wearing a World Cricket Show t-shirt, and then it cuts back to Matt Baker, and he's wearing a World Cricket Show t-shirt, and then it cuts back to me again. And then when it cuts back to him again, he's not wearing a World Cricket Show t-shirt. That would be a great bit of subliminal marketing. Please do not let them sway you from your t-shirt wearing. Don't let them say, oh no, you know, you should be wearing something library-ish. <laughs> something bookish, yeah. like spectacles. Well, I'm not sure if this is actually going to happen, this country file thing. I only know that Baker and Bradbury are sniffing around. Well, there we go. Good enough for country file, not good enough for us. It's anyway. a very... I'm not. The photo in the press actually turned out a bit better than I thought it would because there's nothing I dislike more than having my photograph taken for the Guernsey press. It's happened a surprising number of times now. I'll just try and describe the photo to the listeners. They've set you up behind a bunch of books, as far as I can see, in the kind of tins or book p- pictures of tins or something, <laughs> and some, like... It's like a thing about rationing. Yeah, a parcel that appears to say soz sugar on the front. <laughs> well, that might be eight ounce. Okay, uh, and then you're kind of hiding in the background like a kind of weirdo. Yeah. Well, it, oh, well, yeah, I had to do that thing because because I'm quite tall, Tone, as you know, and this display unit was quite low down. It was like, just lean on it. So I had to kind of lean down like this, like with one arm <laughs> on the unit, looking like I'm in, like I'm a, playing the part of a sailor in a Broadway <laughs> musical. Well, let's post that photo, or perhaps a link to the online. Is it online yet? I think it is, yeah. Get that up on the Facebook page soon, see what people make of that. (laughs) Well, I'm sorry for letting you down. Don't worry. The quicker we move on, the better for me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, what's coming up on the show today, uh, apart from talking about my burgeoning media career? uh, Well, hold the phone, Tony. Pass me the champers, because England have won a test match. Uh, and they've won a test match away from home as well. So we're going to be getting our teeth right in to all the major talking points uh, to emerge from Grenada. And there's a couple of side notes that I've got lined up as well. You might remember that last week I had some side notes. We didn't get a chance to do it. So we had a rollover. It's a rollover. So that'll be paying out this week, although I'm a bit concerned that it might not be paying out in quite the spectacular fashion that, that people might be expecting. But yeah, you all right, Tane? Yeah, good, thanks. You had a good week? Yeah. You sent me another angry message, but this was on Sunday, and you weren't angry with me this time. 
just angry with people in general uh, about the epidemic of Sunday walk pictures that appear on Facebook at this time. Yeah. Of year. I think we talked about this this time last year. It's just spring comes. Quite possibly. And everyone's posting pictures of their Sunday walkies. You know, you know, I don't expect people to be any more interested than I am. Any more interesting? Yeah. But, you know, yeah. It just, you, know, you open up your Facebook timeline and it's just what people did five years ago today <laughs> and what they're doing today, which is walking, just going for a walk. And five years ago, they were also yeah, walking. Yeah, so it's good. Good to know things have changed. Well, <laughs> the thing was, yeah, you sent me that, that message saying how fed up you were with Sunday walks. And the message kind of flashed up at the top of my iPhone as I was on Instagram, just choosing a filter for my Sunday walk picture. You know, I was I was, I was tossing up between Brannon and Amara or something. I, I don't get it. I, so I just quietly closed the app and put the phone back uh, in my pocket. But I don't get it, though, because, yeah, like, walks are nice. I enjoy a walk. I enjoy occasionally taking a photo of some of the views that you happen upon when you're walking. But I don't know why, why what's this, this sudden urge to let everyone else know that you've gone for a walk. I'll just come around and burgle your house. <laughs> <laughs> Quite honestly. So there we go. <laughs> just to teach everyone a lesson. <laughs> Sunday burglaries. <laughs> Bang, just kicking down front doors. That would make for an interesting, if short-lived, Instagram account. England. This is the part of the show where we talk about England. Now, Tone, England are in Barbados, preparing for the final test of their series against the West Indies, which starts on Friday. Uh, and they'll probably have been enjoying a few rum punches down in Town this week after registering their first test win away from home for two and a half years with a fine victory in Grenada. They won the toss and put West Indies into bat under cloudy skies. And they had them in quite a bit of trouble at 28 for two, then 74 for four. Uh, but Marlon Samuels hit 100 to provide some resistance for the host. And they ended up getting 299, which he thought might be a pretty decent score. Uh, but England went a long way past it in their innings. They ended up posting 464 uh, with half centuries for Alistair Cook, Jonathan Trott and Gary Balance at the top of the order and an unbeaten 182 from Joe Root. So they took a first innings lead of 165. Uh, now, West Indies got off to a terrible start when they lost Devin Smith uh, in the third over. But then they dug in admirably. They were 145 for one and then 224 for two. Uh, and indeed, yeah, just two wickets down overnight going into the final day and did look like it was going to be very tough for England to force the victory uh, but James Anderson came to the party on the fifth morning uh, he ended up taking four wickets and had a hand in all six of the wickets that fell in the first session eventually West Indies were all out for 307 uh, which set England a modest target of 143 and although they lost Jonathan Trott for a duck Gary Balance with 81 not out and Alistair Cook 59 not out got them to the target with nine wickets to spare. So, Tony, last week we talked about the draw in Antigua, and I think we disagreed a little bit about how dull it was as a game. You thought it was pretty dull. I thought it was actually quite entertaining. This game in Grenada really was pretty dull for the first four days, and I think I and you and probably everyone was expecting the final day to be at least as dull, if not duller, if that's the word. Uh, but then all of a sudden... It sparked into life, thanks to Jimmy Anderson, and England, unlike in Antigua, finished the job. This was a really good win for them, wasn't it? Yeah, excellent. Yeah, excellent. I mean, I definitely, they've clicked back into test gear a little bit quicker than I expected. I think I predicted one all in this series, and I thought possibly it might take uh, England a couple of tests to get going like this. After the World Cup. 
Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, it was pretty diabolical. It was, it was a deep trough to, to dig out of. But then again, you know, it's, I guess, as we said before, you know, it's not an unbelievably good West Indies side, is it? So, uh, so if there was an opportunity, if you wanted a, a, you know, a team to play away from home at this stage to recover from the pits, then this West Indies side are probably it, aren't they, in, in a way. Uh, but, yeah, pretty surprising. Or, or, yeah, awesome final morning. Well, it was all about Anderson, wasn't well, he, it? I mean, he, he, he was just... He did everything, didn't he? What didn't he do? Well, yeah, he took uh, three wickets in that morning session and then followed it up with two catches and a run-out, a quite spectacular run-out as well. So it was just an extraordinary performance. But yeah, as brilliant as the, the run-out and the catches were, you know, it was obviously the his bowling, wasn't it, that, that really got England going, an absolute snorter to get rid of Craig Brathwaite. And you do just feel with Anderson, with this England team, you know, without a doubt, he is the only world-class bowler that England have at this point. He's the only one who can sort of make something happen out of nowhere. When the game's drifting and you need a wicket, do you turn to Jordan or Stokes or Mo and Ali? You have to turn to Jimmy Anderson, don't you? And while it's brilliant for England that they've got him there and able to do that, it is a bit of a concern going forward because, well, they've still got, they've got another 15 test matches to play this year and he's going to have to do a lot of bowling in those 15 test matches. So there will be worries about burnout and injuries and he's, um, and he's probably going to, yeah, not only is he going to have to do a lot of bowling in pure test match numbers terms, but you'd expect him to have to do a lot of bowling in those games as well. He's two very, very good batting lineups coming to England in the summer. Well, and then they're going to South Africa later on in the year yeah. as well. This is going to be a big test for England's bowlers. It's going to be a big test for England, but it's going to be a <laughs> yeah. big test for England's bowlers, uh, you know, within that, obviously. You'd be astonished if Anderson plays all 15 of those remaining games. And even if he does, would he then play any more? I mean, if, if he plays all 17 test matches this year and bowls, you know, thousands of overs, is he going to have much appetite to, uh, to, to carry on much longer than that? So England do need to think about looking after him. In the short term, they're obviously, you know, every time they're in a tight situation in a test match, Cook is going to turn to Anderson. But they do need to think a little bit about the burnout factor. We've seen it happen with other bowlers before, Andrew Flintoff being one key example Anderson does seem to be naturally fitter than Flintoff he seems to get injured less often uh, but even so it's got to be a concern but we may as well enjoy it while it lasts I suppose and this was a, a real performance to savour for an England fan yeah definitely and you said you mentioned before that he's the only England bowler who looks like doing anything you know can produce something from nothing you know Broad should be in the, you know we should be speaking about Broad in those terms but yet again he's just chucking it down too short of a length well, it's strange, isn't it? I mean, he did, he did actually end up taking four wickets in the first innings of the test, although the last three of those came pretty near to the end of the innings and included um, a couple of lower-order batsmen. But yeah, it's been strange. I mean, we did talk about him a bit last week, didn't he? He's, he was off-colour in Antigua, and he's actually been a bit off-colour ever since last autumn when he had his surgery. And that that's the concern, because since his surgery, he hasn't been the same bowler, and he's been way down on pace. You know, he's bowling somewhere down around... 77 78 miles an hour you'll like this tone like marty mcfly he's struggling to get back to the 80s hey that's good not only am i in the press i should be writing the headlines in the press uh, i mean you'd want him to be touching the 90s as well wouldn't you i don't think marty mcfly ever touched 90s did he no he went straight from the 80s to the 15s so there you go. That's where your comparison, your analogy falls short. <laughs> so good effort. Good I'm effort. Pretty That's sure why it, you only made page five. <laughs> I'm pretty sure most analogies 
would fall apart when subjected to the kind of forensic examination. Knocked off the front page today by a beanie baby. (laughs) (laughs) Front page story and photo splash on the Guernsey Press today. Is 95p Beanie Baby worth thousands? <laughs> uh, so that's what he should be angry with, really. He'd be done down. And what's on page two and three? Uh, some tulips on page two. And uh, a bit more on the Beanie Baby story. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, it's, you know. Yeah, it's up to them to decide where. You've got goes. to wonder what's on page 25, really. <laughs> anyway, um, back to the cricket. Well, yeah, back to Broad. I, he did end up taking four wickets, and in that spell, he all of a sudden was hitting the high 80s and ending the 90s, and I think he bowled one of the fastest balls of the Test match. But then in the second innings, he was back down in the 70s and early 80s again, and I do feel like I'm talking about the decades. <laughs> <laughs> Just picturing him in flares and then you know doing Rubik's Cubes and stuff. Uh, but yeah, so that is a concern, because whenever a cricketer, but particularly a bowler, has major surgery like that, if they're then struggling to to get their speed back, you know, you've got to worry about their long-term future. And I would say that, that Broad's place isn't secure at the moment. I mean, maybe the selectors don't see it that way, but I would seriously think about leaving him out. Although saying that, you know, I think the problem that Broad has, I, I don't think I'm alone amongst England fans in, in wanting to see him left out. The problem that Broad has is that no one really likes him. There's a lot of England cricketers that they can have sort of four, five, six below average test matches, but no one wants to see them drop because everyone likes them. If Joe Root has some very average performances, you know, he could go a couple of series with some very average performances and no one would call for him to be dropped. The same with Jimmy Anderson. Uh, the same would have been true with lots of players in the past like Swan and uh, and Flintoff. But no one likes Broad really because he's quite, he's not a very likeable cricketer. So, you know, he only needs to have one or two bad games and everyone's on his back. But that being said, you know, I, I do think that there's, there's some more kind of... Uh, profound questions to be asked about him at the moment i think but yeah you know broad the presence of broad in the england team is 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 kind of a a shining example of something that affects all teams in team sports i think is this this kind of broads caught between not quite performing well enough but people don't like risk they like change you know broad has achieved some good things with with england in the past uh, and should be an excellent player but it's like how long do you how long do you give them difficult in a, in a parallel universe the england team is kind of 75 percent different and it's you know absolutely flying but yeah it's, it's you know how long do you leave it to, i don't want to live to, in that universe yeah how long do you give it though to to broad to kind of justify his his place anyway but the other point to make there of course is that it's not like there are loads of bowlers around who are knocking on the door you could say that there's there's other bowlers in that team who should probably make way before Stuart Broad. Chris Jordan has, you know, not really justified his selection as a bowler in this series. And then you think, well, who's going to come in for Jordan, let alone if you're dropping Jordan and Broad? So that's another reason why the selectors will be very tempted to give him time. But, you know, I'm, I'm a bit worried about this England bowling attack. Like you say, there are some very good batting sides coming to England in the summer. I'm a bit worried about where the wickets are coming from. Is it, have you got to the stage where you're losing sleep over it yet? Well, it's not stopping me getting to sleep. But if I do wake up in the middle of the night for a, an unrelated reason, then that is something that will run through my mind while I'm staring at the ceiling. Yeah. Got woken up last night by the, the bin lorry. 
That's an anecdote, isn't it? <laughs> I didn't know what to say to that. Right, carry on. Uh, well, page six on the Guernsey Press tomorrow. <laughs> no doubt. Well, that's uh, that's England's bowling. The batting, perhaps, in a slightly happier state. Uh, and having said that, of course, England did just take 20 wickets and win a test match. So you wouldn't necessarily say the bowling is, is in as unhappy a state as I've just painted it. But but everyone will be be more comfortable about England's batting at the moment. A quite brilliant 100 from Joe Root. Uh, continuing his magnificent form in Test cricket, he's now made 50-plus scores in each of his last six innings. If he makes it seven in Barbados, then that would equal the Test record. Of anyone? Of anyone ever. Wow. But even better than Sangakara. Indeed. Yeah, well, I think Sangakara has seven. Yeah. Um, so if he, could, if he could make it eight, or even nine. I mean, yeah, and he's, he's now got a lot of these high, you know, these daddy hundred not-outs, hasn't he? He seems to do that on a semi-regular basis, which largely accounts for his ridiculous average over the last year or two. I mean, I've yo-yoed around a bit on Joe Root, and I think possibly you have as well. You know, when he first came into the team, he was an incredibly exciting prospect, and then I began to think, well, is he all he's cracked up to be when he, he struggled? But obviously, since the beginning of last summer, he's been England's best batsman and has just been in sensational form, and that's continuing. Yeah, I mean, I think if he can produce this kind of form throughout the you know if he, if he keeps it up to the end of the year then you'd say he you know he gets into sort of ian bell territory doesn't he <laughs> <laughs> he don't really start you know it, that's that would be a huge achievement because uh you know as we said before not only is there are there some good batters coming uh in the summer there are some good bowlers aren't there so if you can do it against them then he's well away that's exactly the point isn't it because he has been phenomenally successful in the last sort of two to 12 months but it's been against fairly modest bowling attacks and that's to take nothing away from him he's been much more successful against those modest bowling attacks than anyone else in the England team and he can't do any more than score runs against them but at the same time you you just want to reserve judgment a little bit before calling him a once in a generation cricketer and the sorts of things that are being bandied about there's no doubt that the India West Indies and Sri Lanka bowling attacks aren't on anything like the same level as as New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, like you say, if he's if he's averaging you know something similar against them, then we can come back to the table and have a discussion about him. Um, we will, I'm sure. As well. <laughs> I'm sure we will. <laughs> I mean, it, it, the way that the last uh, you know the, the the recent period has gone, all, I can almost semi imagine Root scoring a kind of butcheresque big hundred to win you know to to win one test this summer in a, in a four one. I was like. I think it's quite optimistic to think that they might win one test. Pretty but okay. optimistic, but that you know that that's that's you know before you two get too excited, yeah, yeah, it's sort of just a one-off performance, and yeah. everyone will call him a once-in-a-generation cricketer again. But but this is the thing because he has played New Zealand and Australia before, and he basically scored no runs against them. I mean, he did get a big hundred against Australia at Lords in 2013, but that was a fairly different Australia side to the one um that we saw later on in the year so that it might just be because you know he'd come in and been really successful and then that was a kind of leveling off period that it might have happened against anybody but it might not just be a coincidence that he's plundered runs against um fairly average attacks but struggled against top class ones so you know the real test for him is yet to come but as i say he cannot do any more than score runs against yeah and he did well against new zealand in england you know that was very early on in his career wasn't it Runs for Alistair Cook as well. 
Still no hundred, of course, but he's now scored. <laughs> but he's now scored five fifties in his last. Still game. Shit, of course. But, <laughs> <laughs> but they, well, yeah, I mean, he scored. He scored over a hundred runs in the test. <laughs> I really hope he's not listening. Yeah, you know, he will hate you. <laughs> well, I didn't say that. You s- <laughs> no, you he said it. I was just doing an impression of you. <laughs> It's not true that you said that, but I think what it captures <laughs> about you is true. Yeah, well, twin 50s in this test match. And well, yeah, like good. I say, that's five good. in his last eight innings. So, I mean, he's in great form. Though. He's a good neck. He's a good neck. Only a Gary Balance score. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Got runs in both innings, didn't Trotty. Oh, no, no, yeah, the, the, the start, the way the... The match started, or the, the for the feeling the batsman, yeah, a century stand. That's a move in the right direction. Well, it was the first one for two years, and yeah, all of the top three made pretty solid half centuries. And yeah, great to see Cook making runs. Not only did he make runs, but he was he was there at the end in the second innings as well, which must have been incredibly satisfying for him. And you've got to be really pleased with him because, like we've talked about a lot, he's an, such a nice guy that you you, you have to root for him. You have to Joe root for him. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's really encouraging. And what's so encouraging is that he just looks better, doesn't he? He, he looks like he's going to score runs now. It, last summer, it, it looked like he'd forgotten how to bat. This summer, yes, he's, of course, not made 100. But it looks like there could be another one around the corner, which is not what it looked like before. Yeah, again, almost any punditry or any analysis of this series has to be qualified by we must wait till the summer to make any judgments. I suppose all they, you know, all they can do, it's like, you know, all you can do against the bad bowling tackle score runs, all you can do now is go into the ashes in some form, even if you leave it with none. As long as you start <laughs> it with some, you need some form to, to at least hold off the, the wave after wave of attack. It's like a form car wash, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. This coming ashes. Well, I hope he does get 100 in Barbados because we don't want to have to keep talking about him. We seem to have spent the last, you know, sort of two to 26 months doing nothing but talk about Alistair Cook's batting form. So for our sakes, let's hope he scores 100 in Barbados. But, you know, it is it is encouraging to see him uh, get some runs. His opening partner also made some runs in the game, as I say, a 50 in the first innings for Jonathan Trott, but then a duck in the second inning. So he's had four innings on his return to the team, two of them ducks, the third one that was a failure, uh, and then uh, 59. He's not exactly nailed down his place, has he? I mean, what, what's your feeling about uh, Trot? Well, yeah, not at all. Don't, yeah, don't drop him yet. That would be pointless. 
yeah, he'll get he'll get this test, and he should whatever he does, he should still start the summer. For yes, me. I mean, I, I'm sure that that is what will happen. I, I'm a, I, I'm not as sold on that idea. I mean, normally I would say absolutely you have to give him at least Barbados, but probably a few tests after that as well, because as you would almost any batsman, they should have a run in the team, and particularly when it's Jonathan Trot and he's got a lot of test pedigree in the bank, a lot of test runs in the bank. He more than deserves to be given the time. But when you look at him, unlike Cook, he doesn't look like he's got a lot of runs around the corner. His head's all over the place. He's walking across his crease. He doesn't really look like the Jonathan Trot of old at the moment. And a lot of that might be to do with nerves. And if he is allowed to run in the team, those nerves might go away. He's been through an awful lot. And coming back in now, he must be really nervous. But the concern is that when he has got quite an obvious technical flaw in his game there, you know, can you allow England to go into the Test Series against, well, first Southie and Bolt, but then Harris, Stark and Johnson with an opener that's got a very obvious technical flaw? That's why they dropped Sam Robson, because he had a bit of a run in the team, but it's like, well, there's a big hole in his game, which is outside the off stump, and that will be exploited. If Trot's the same, all right, you'd say, well, he didn't used to have it, so presumably he could sort it out. But can you allow him to go on when there is this flaw? So, I mean, I, I would still give him Barbados anyway. And if he looks better and scores some runs there, then fine. But if he doesn't make runs in Barbados, it's it's going to be quite difficult to include him against New Zealand. Because he's not really an opener, is he? Is the other thing. It shouldn't be. Yeah, it's a bit makeshift. It all feels a bit makeshift. What about Western these time? It, it, it all went wrong for them on the final day. Was this a case of England being too good? Or will Western East feel well, that they threw it away? Because but- they actually did play reasonably well they dug in didn't they for the first four days yeah they, they did all right and you know it, it, yeah it's a mixture isn't it there were a couple of the balls that Anderson shut down were you know pretty unplayable uh, but they also threw away two or three of the wickets didn't they uh run outs run outs took pointless shot I mean yeah some of them were the, the game was slightly you know drifting away from them at that stage but still still could have done a lot better to stick around so I, I think they'll be very very disappointed particularly because you get the sense that they were sort of playing for a scoreless draw in this series. Where are they getting 20 wickets from? Particularly without Jerome Taylor, as they as they were in this game. He might be back for Barbados, which would be a big boost for them. But it's difficult to see them bowling England out twice. So, so on that basis, you know, uh, a collapse on the final day and, and throwing away the game is probably going to cost them the series. Uh, and that's very disappointing for them. They do just lack a bit of a cutting edge in their bowling. We talk about England lacking a cutting edge in their bowling, but it's it's more so for the West Indies. But then that being said, the pitches don't help them, do they? I mean, either in, in the actual test matches, but also for the bowls that are coming through because pitches in the Caribbean generally are very flat, very difficult to, to do much on as a bowler. Uh, and that's, you know, that it's a real tragedy what's happened to pitches in the Caribbean because it used to be that that was the, the place you wanted to play as a bowler. There should be no better place in the world to play cricket yeah. than the Caribbean. You know, the sun's out, you've got a knowledgeable crowd, steel drums. You know, and they, a lot of these grounds look amazing as well. Grenada looked absolutely incredible, but then the pitch is just dead. It's a letdown. It is a letdown. <laughs> what can you do, though? Well, they must, be able, we do? they must be able to do something because it, it's, it can't be that, like, you know, the, the composition of the soil has suddenly changed in the Caribbean. They must be able to produce those pitches again. It all comes back to the stuff we've talked about a lot, about, you know, they want to make sure they last five days. And, you know, again, look at the big picture. If you want people in the Caribbean to, to come to the games, make them entertaining. Yeah. Entertainment has been short in this series so far, hasn't it? 
Well, yeah, I mean, it's been low key. I mean, I'm a I'm a Test cricket nerd, so I love it. And there's something that I, even though it's laughably dull watching, (laughs) watching Devendra Bishu just like skip in and just deliver it down, and it doesn't turn, and Gary Balance just pats it back, and that's six balls in a row. And Mike Atherton says another maiden. That's not entertainment, is it? It it does not qualify as entertainment, but yet somehow I love it. But yeah, it's I not going to get people who aren't me into the grounds and, and watching it, is it? Yeah, we tell we I mean, yeah we talked uh, talked about this before, haven't we? But that's the beauty of test cricket. It's kind of like you know when you go and I've not done this, but when you go uh, and like wait around for hours and hours at a badger set in the middle of the night, <laughs> isn't it? And you sit there, you, I imagine you sit there bored stiff for six hours and then a badger runs past and it's that <laughs> moment of, you know that moment of slight wonder and excitement and, and like kind of endearing you know we've, we've yeah it's like anything where you've you've put in the work and you've got the the reward yeah it's the, so the, like, the yeah. hours and hours of boredom before make the split second of entertainment yeah. all the more thrilling yeah like yeah Anderson whipping you know whipping the bales off is is a badger running past for me? But the frustrating, the frustrating <laughs> thing about that is, it's like you're watching a badger set, but you just doze off for a few <laughs> seconds when the badger runs past because inevitably you've gone upstairs to do something else or have flicked over to, you know, strictly come dancing for a minute or you know you just. Yeah, it's true. It's because yeah, the analogy. Yeah, when you actually go out and you take yourself to the the woods and you watch, there's nothing else to do. You have to concentrate on the badger. <laughs> but there's so many temp- things tempting you away from the cricket at home. Yeah, it's, yeah. You're you're at the badger set. It's like you know, you suddenly you know your your attention is caught by the rabbit warren over there, and some rabbits are coming out. And you look back, and you see a replay of the badger badger (laughs) running out you just see the badger walking back (laughs) back to its set and it goes and that's it you don't see the actual moment itself and then you just hear Mike Atherton say that was an absolute snorter (laughs) Uh, I don't know if you saw there was the other day there was quite an entertaining quite enlightening article about the IPL a sort of IPL I thought you were going to talk about my press appearance uh, <laughs> Enlightening and entertaining. Uh, no, just uh, about uh, yeah, about watching a game uh, you know at the IPL because I do I really watching this year's IPL. I've thought mm, I really want to go to the IPL, but uh, but it doesn't sound great. <laughs> no, you don't. This is written by uh, Siddharth Monger for Crick Info, uh, entitled "The Agony of Trying to Watch an IPL Game." Gives you a flavour of the article. I feel like this should have been in the side notes tone. It's making me anxious that, that <laughs> you're doing this in the wrong part it's of the mission show. Creep. But, well, no, go on, no. it's carry on. Carry it's on. related to the uh, to watching test cricket because it's, yeah, okay. it's a contrast. But anyway, just writes about kind of a few days uh, of trying to, you know, of going to watch IPL games. Uh, I'll give you a little taste of it. Yeah, so he goes to watch Rajasthan Rolls against Mumbai Indians and he says uh, kind of two hours before the match, the stand is really clean but by seven people have spat stuff all over the place uh spectators and cops stand on the seats to be on camera without thought for those who'll be sitting on them uh rubbish thrown everywhere kind of middle-aged gentlemen holding massive signs to be shown on tv and just holding it aloft with no kind of sense of who's behind them uh the pa system apparently just blares out constantly so you can't you know there's no prospect of enjoying any moment of of the match uh yeah it's just quite interesting quite interesting yeah it doesn't sound like something that you want to be a part of necessarily yeah i do still want to go and see one 
Well, it'd be a good experience as a one-off. But it's just, it's not, it's really not a virtually empty ground watching Gary Balance pat back maidens, is it? No, it's just not, it's, it's never going to be that for me. The side notes now, on which we talk about some of the more offbeat stories of the cricketing week. Here we go then, Tone. These are the side notes that have been rolled over from last week. Time to hit the jackpot. Uh, this first one comes from BBC Sports. Actually, this one wasn't rolled over from last week because this happened today. Kevin Peterson gets lost on train after Surrey match. Surrey's Kevin Peterson. I like how they have to say Surrey's. Kevin Peterson as though you wouldn't know who he was if you just said Kevin Peterson. Kevin Peterson, which one? Surrey's Kevin Peterson had to be picked up by his wife after getting lost on a train following his side's county championship fixture with Essex. The former England captain left the Kia Oval and tweeted that public transport was a, quote, great way to travel. Ferrari can't fly, so this is the quickest way to get home and beat London traffic, he tweeted. But after a series of frantic tweets, the 34-year-old batsman was left stranded in Raysbury, Berkshire. On Wednesday, Peterson tried his luck again and this time managed to navigate the Southwest train service without incident. Uh, and then it just gives the series of tweets. Uh, he first of all tweets, only standing room left on this service, awesome, and then a picture of a train. Uh, and then someone tweets him to say, you use public transport? And he replies, why not? Great way to travel. And then he says, and now I find out I'm on the wrong train. And then he puts some emojis of laughter. It's quite hard to read out tweets, isn't it? Well, because they're, they're basically nonsense. They? <laughs> yeah, they <are>. um, <laughs> and I find out I'm on the wrong train. I've had to get off at a station I've never heard of before and there's not a cab on site. A cab on site, brackets, sick. Uh, well, no, he, he didn't write sick. <laughs> as, in, as in that's the, the mistake is all his. And then he puts a, a thumbs down sign. And then he writes stranded and an emoji of someone crying. Anyway, I and then he says, end? And then he says still stood on the bridge. A rescue vehicle will be here soon. An emoji of a monkey with its hands over its eyes. <laughs> and then he finally says, rescued. I was eight miles from home in Raysbury. Never heard of the joint before. Now I do. Uh, and his wife came to pick him up. Is that a story? No, it's not at all. I mean, uh, even in the Guernsey press would it appear on anything more than page three. Yeah, it's sort of kind of, I'm a bit worried about that, really. It's sort of BuzzFeed-esque, isn't it? <laughs> and for every good thing that BuzzFeed, you, you kind of see on BuzzFeed, you see about 30 pieces of rubbish don't you and an annoying kind of it's gonna be the it's gonna be the destruction of everything meaningful well it kind of already is isn't yeah it? 17 ways that buzzfeed is going to be the death well, of if you follow, civilization like, like buzzfeed kind of election coverage or like buzzfeed writers who are covering the election no i don't know I just, it's just too there's too much obsession with memes and mm. and repeating in jokes Things I really dislike. It's very I'll give boring. You, I'll give you like seven things I really dislike about, you know, internet stuff. When people write this, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean there? When people just say this and a link to something or a picture of something. Th that annoys me. The list goes on. What I don't get, though, yeah, maybe I'm wrong here, but, you know, the, the general perception about, say, the Daily Mail website is that it's nonsense and it's kind of... It's, but there's this, this sense that BuzzFeed, because it's called BuzzFeed and it's like slightly trendy, or though it's got you know it's a bit of cachet about it's a bit it, of a buzz about it, but it's it. like slightly you know it's like an elevated status and it's like you know the, the 
it's clever and stuff. Well, actually, really, it's no different to the Daily Mail website, is it? Really, until so Daily Mail will just post a selection of photos of someone to say, oh, you know, Madonna's got some new jeans, and there'll be ten photos of her in her new jeans. Uh, it was BuzzFeed would be like, oh, you know, here's this Twitter exchange. Here's what they, you know, here's what some someone said, and the BBC have done it now. Yeah, the BBC are getting in on the act. <sighs> anyway, yeah, the BuzzFeed UK homepage at the moment. Uh, the top stories include: Can you guess the Lord of the Rings character by these emojis? Twenty-four things that happen when you're drunk on a first date. Twenty-five non-Scots react to photos of Glasgow. If Aladdin had taken place today, this is what happens when a guy from Rwanda finds out he's been internet famous for months. And the list goes on. Cool. Oh. That's BuzzFeed for you, Tone. Anyway, I'll give you another side note. These both come from Krahimbo. Biker Doni cops a fine. MS Doni likes to ride his motorbikes around his hometown of Ranchi, but his latest joyride brought an unexpected visitor to his house, a traffic cop. Pictures of Doni on his bike had made the local newspapers. He's not the only one making the local <laughs> newspapers, don't. Uh, <laughs> pictures of Doni on his bike had made the local newspapers, and the authorities noticed that the mandatory number plate was absent from both the front and rear ends of the machine. Instead, the bike's number was painted on the left side of the front mudguard. A policeman was promptly dispatched to the India captain's house, where his father had to pay a fine of 450 rupees. That's $7.25. It was not clear whether Dhoni's autograph was also taken, but an official receipt was issued for the fine. Wow. There you go. Uh, I don't say about that, really. <laughs> Nor do I. This rollover. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Carry on. Anyway, see what, is there, is there was it worth it? Was that it? That's it. Else? That's the end of the article. There's, there's another. There's another sign that's been okay. rolled over. Cross enters the male <laughs> preserve. Kate Cross, the England seam bowler, has become the first woman to play in the Central Lancashire League, one of the most fiercely traditional leagues in England. The Central Lancashire League has always been one of the most traditional, unchanging cricket leagues in in England. The region is fertile. UKIP. It's just a <laughs> <laughs> election random reference for some reason. The region is fertile UKIP. Talk of protect. Doesn't even make sense as a, as a sentence, does it? <laughs> the region is fertile UKIP. Talk of protecting the old ways of England plays well here. It's weird, that isn't it? Because it, it's on Crick Info. If it was on the Guardian or any other newspaper, you could understand why, done, why the editor would have been like, "This is great. We can get some UKIP in here." Yeah. But why? Why would? Why did Crick Info? Care why are they sticking their oar in? We never talk about politics. Yeah, I know it's well clear. <laughs> never that. talk about anything but cricket. Weird, but anyway, that made the achievement of Kate Cross, the England seam bowler, all the more meritorious when she became the first woman to play in the league, attracting plaudits from the ECB, which promotes women's cricket with fervour, and even grabbing column inches in the national media. She had quite a day too, taking three for nineteen for Hayward as they beat Clifton by eight wickets, and playing alongside her older brother Bobby. He struck 75, but to his embarrassment, dropped a catch off her bowling. Uh, And then there's a tweet from her brother as well, but I think we've read enough tweets for one day. (laughs) But yeah, there you go. That is impressive. That's good. Quite a sporty family, because her dad was the former West Ham striker David Cross. I don't know who that is, but apparently he won the FA Cup with West Ham. I remember that. That's cool. You wouldn't remember that, because you weren't born. No. (laughs) Unless you had your own kind of Marty McFly style. Marty McFly moment. <laughs> Time travelling experience. Your Stuart Broad moment. Back to Upton Park. <laughs> have you got anything else? Any other no, That's it. That's yeah. literally it. So it's a good job that we didn't do those last week because we wouldn't have even had the Peterson one at that point. <laughs> we would have been well sure. <laughs> Much like the UK general election campaign, 
This episode of the World Cricket Show is finally coming to an end, which is good news because it's been even longer and even more boring than everyone probably expected. Have you still got election fever, Tone? Mm, yes. They're looking forward to the big night, because that is always entertaining. Yeah, just kick back with some uh, Dimbleby. How late will you last? Uh, well, you know that I normally go to bed around 9.15 yeah. these days. So you probably so, won't yeah. even see the first result. <laughs> Might make it to 9.45. First declaration. You'll be, yeah. <laughs> but where, well, it's not like the US election, though, is it, where they, they call it at a certain point. It'll event, like it won't be till the morning probably, and even then it'll yeah. be like four or five days afterwards. Before, yeah, before anything's actually we've worked got out. a coalition. So, well, we'll be right across it on the World Cricket Show, no doubt. Have you enjoyed this one? It's been good. Yeah, it's been good. So the next test starts on Friday. Getting into that, I've heard from you that the merch has been selling pretty well, like hotcakes. Yeah, how many have we sold? Uh, loads, and we've sold boxer shorts as well. Yes. This is, uh, this is World Cricket Show merch that's available on cafepress.co.uk slash cricket show. WCS bigwigs tried to tell us they wouldn't sell, but we, we, well, we, stood, we stood our corner. One of those bigwigs was you. <laughs> you said they wouldn't sell. People love them, Tane. People genuinely love them because can you think of anything that would impress you know, a, a lady friend, a prospective lady friend more than World Cricket Show boxer shorts? Why haven't you bought some yet? Tough to imagine. If you're getting to that point where... They're seeing the boxer shorts. You just need something there to, to seal the deal. That could be the decider. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, so cafepress.co.uk slash cricket show. Uh, other things that you can do, uh, write a review for us on iTunes. We'd really appreciate all of those. Or, or on Stitcher. We're also available on Stitcher. Um, that does help to uh, push us up the rankings and attract new listeners to the show. So we, we are very grateful to people who do that. Uh, follow us on Twitter. The show account is at cricket show. I'm at Adam Bayfield12 and Tony is at Tony Cover, T-O-N-Y-C-V-R-R. And I should say as well that uh, the on the At Cricket Show account, I've got a long weekend coming up for this test match. Uh, I've got hardly any other plans, so I will be watching a lot of it and I will no doubt be tweeting a lot during the test. So Look forward to that. That's something to lure the listeners to our Twitter account. Uh, like us on Facebook as well, facebook.com slash Cricket Show, you can send us an email, worldcricketshow at gmail.com. And if you're doing your shopping on Amazon, uh, then if you go first of all to cricketshow.net and press the Amazon button there, then anything that you buy, it doesn't cost you anything at all. Well, it costs you what what uh, what you're going to spend on Amazon, but it doesn't cost you anything extra. Uh, but we get a little bit of a kickback. You can actually bookmark that as well. If you just follow the link once and then bookmark it, save it as Amazon, use that every time. It's really useful. Um, so yeah, that's about it. I think what have you got lined up for this week, Tone? Uh, work, really. You're coming to mine on Saturday? Yeah, because yours. Housewarming? Yeah, it's going to be good. It is actually, isn't it? What to get you for a housewarming present? Maybe boxes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just two pairs. Uh, but I've also, on Sunday night, I've got to compare an event, which I'm slightly terrified about because I've never done that sort of thing before. Yeah, this is awesome. You're, you're like emceeing uh, like a sort of black tie event yeah it's really frightening i haven't got to say a huge amount well what is it what is it what's the event it's the guernsey football club end of season dinner have you written your jokes uh i'm a bit i'm not sure what i might have to workshop some jokes with you on saturday Do you want me to write some jokes yeah uh, yeah i'll probably go light on the jokes i think <laughs> <laughs> i'll just keep it very just get through it start to finish um hello welcome to yeah. the guernsey fc dinner um Oh, it's going to be awful. It's going to be awful. Uh, the, fortunately, there's lots of videos, so I've just got to say, like, you know, 
just got to do the welcome. And then I've got to say, uh, you know, now, you know, our next award is this award. Watch the video. And then the video kind of takes you through it. So it's all right. I think you should approach it in a really kind of angry fashion. That, that would be my advice. That's the style you should go for. Yeah, the next award is some f***ing award. Watch the f***ing video. Yeah. Yeah, that would be good. Well, I'll let you know how it goes next week. That's really cool. I'd love it if it was some kind of like Russell Brand at the VMA style <laughs> controversy that blew up. <laughs> Somehow managed to insult George Bush. Don't say that. <laughs> right, okay, I need to go and get some dinner. Yeah, me too. That's time about it for on. this week. Stay in school, everybody, uh, and we'll see you all next time. Bye bye for now. Cheery. It happens to us all. It happens to us all. Each day, each year, year. I can smell your fear Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.